Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is my good friend, Amy Rains. Amy is the blogger, author, recipe developer, and food photographer behind Wholesome Licious. She spends most of the day in the kitchen, usually in yoga pants and a baseball cap, creating wholesome and delicious recipes for her family to enjoy and to share with her readers. As a nutritionist, she is passionate about promoting a healthy lifestyle and helping others learn that food can be both nutrient-dense and delicious. Her favorite time of day is at the dining room table with her husband and two kids. When not in the kitchen, Amy can be found coaching youth baseball or softball, teaching a yoga class, or at the grocery store thinking about her next creation. In this episode, Amy shares her best tips and techniques every cook should know, whether you're just starting out in the kitchen or consider yourself a possible contender for Top Chef. We also discuss healthy cooking and baking swaps that you may not think of to up the nutrition of your meals. Amy and her account, Wholesome Licious, is one of the few, if not the only accounts I feel 100% confident sending clients to for easy, healthy, and delicious recipes. It is also the place where my husband and I go when we need a new recipe. Let Amy not only increase your confidence in the kitchen, but share with you how she builds a nutritious recipe for every meal, snack, and decadent dessert. Well, welcome, Amy. I'm so happy you're here. Um, Pat and I were actually just talking about all your delicious recipes, and he had a few questions that he wanted me to include. So we'll go through those. Um, oh, but I yes, love that. Okay. Yes, we are very excited to have you here. You are, I would say, honestly, I mean, you're probably actually, yeah, the, the only person that I will actually send clients to to look for recipes on your website. And feel confident that oh, they will that. all be Thank healthy, you. delicious, easy to cook too. So we're really happy to have you on the show. Thank you. It's fun to be here. Fun to chat with my friend. <laughs> and that's what I would love to just start. If you could just tell everyone a little bit more about yourself and how you got into recipe development and nutrition and running this successful food blog. Yeah. So I guess it would all start, well, I mean, from way back when, when I was a teenager, I, you know, my mom was a single mom and she was kind of trying to run a household and feed three kids and she didn't have time. So she would give me like a grocery budget and like send me off to the store once I had my driver's license. So it kind of got me experimenting very early on. On and then, and these were for sure. I mean, <laughs> we're talking like combining two different types of boxed foods with like some marinara sauce or something like that. But anyway, it kind of fostered this like, oh, I love to pair these foods together and, you know, just start experimenting in the kitchen. So, whatever it took. But kind of slowly over the years, I just started developing like just a love for cooking and also more of a love for eating. <laughs> I, I think since I was a little kid, I've always loved food. So my, I always want to eat something that's delicious. That was my number one goal and being able to kind of create my own things that were really delicious, just kind of came over time. I started following recipes, you know, when I got to college and things like that, and I was off on my own and married by the time I was 23. So I was trying to impress 
my husband with cooking skills and just kind of just, you know, a lot of experimentation in the kitchen. And then I had kids. And once I had kids, I'm like, I need to feed them really good stuff. Uh, this is not about junk food. And this has got to be, you know, nutrient dense and and all of that, but just more of going by my gut and what I thought was really good for me because I didn't have a education background in nutrition at that point. It was after I had my son, my second child, I got a master's degree in nutrition. And then I kind of pieced it all together. So one of my goals was when I had, I started getting nutrition clients is I wanted to give them, you know, let them them know that healthy food actually tastes good. I think that's kind of like a misnomer in our field, right? People think you need to eat boiled broccoli and like, you know, baked plain chicken breast or boiled chicken breast in order to stay healthy and and eat the right foods, which is actually the exact opposite. (laughs) You know, adding more flavor to your foods and adding um, a bunch of different ingredients and making sure you have certain components are the a healthy meal. So long-winded way of saying I carry my nutrition degree with my hobby and then developed a food blog, or it wasn't a food blog at first. It was more of just a place where I could post recipes and send them to clients. And then it just took off from there. And so over time, you know, now I'm up to, I think like 600 recipes on my site. So there's just a lot of fun stuff on there. And I love, it's still my favorite part of my job is thinking of something, creating something. So. No, I love that. And I love seeing like the progression of kind of where you started and then how that changed, like having kids like, okay, now this needs to be healthier. And, um, you're progressing with your clients and, you know, we're going to, we're going to get into your recipes and how you come up with them. But I'm curious for clients that come to you that don't feel confident in the kitchen, or if we have listeners right now that don't feel confident in the kitchen, um, and are kind of starting from zero. Do you have a few techniques or, um, meals or foods you like to start them just to know how to cook that are, you know, good things just to start with? Yeah. So what I would say to that is there's a couple kind of shortcuts that I like to give people who are kind of new to the kitchen and just to give them a little more confidence. One is you always stick with a one pan meal. So instead of having to make separate components, you know, like, oh, this has to have the side dish. And then I also, in another pan, while something is baking, I'm also sauteing X, Y, Z. Instead, it's putting it all together in one. And my favorite types of meal for this are either using like a sheet pan. So just starting off with a vegetable or a couple of different vegetables and a protein putting like an easy sauce and then throwing it into the oven. So you're letting your oven do your work and then you don't have to worry about like burning or messing something up. Uh, And then my other, either an instant pot or, and then just putting something all together, you know, following a recipe, but being able to let some, another vessel cook it for you. So sometimes if we are in charge of say, you know, a skillet meal or, Um, Even grilling, you you can kind of get a little bit out of your element if you're not used to cooking that way. And it does kind of require, I mean, I wouldn't say expertise by any means, but it requires a little bit more practice. So 
having something that almost is the best way to start. Another technique I like to use, especially when it comes to the instant pot or slow cooker is using like use store-bought items. There's so many good ones that people don't know. I use Trader Joe's stuff all the time. There's like, they have great sauces that are very clean and just, you know, minimal ingredients. Throwing that into a slow cooker with, you know, a protein or something is such an easy way to be like, oh, I made that. But really, you know, Trader Joe's kind of helped you out along the way. (laughs) No, that's so good. And that's actually one thing we love about your recipes is like the no hands-on, like there's the prep to get it in the slow cooker, right. Or in the oven. But then I love that. I get that time back, Amy, like once it's cooking and it's in the instant pot or the slow cooker or the oven or the air fryer, I can do dishes. I mean, like not exciting things, right. But I can do dishes. I can clean the kitchen up. I have that time. And I think that's something people are looking for too, that your recipes really allow for none of them, or at least the ones that we've made. And we've made a lot of them, um, really take that much time, but a lot of that time, even you're not hands-on and it just yes. buys you back that time for people that are looking for a quick meal or even they, you know, finally stop working and it's six, you know, or seven o'clock at night. And it's like, no, you can really throw it in. It can cook for a half hour and you have this delicious dinner. Um, but I do want to know when you are thinking about a new recipe, how do you ensure that it's going to be healthy and delicious and kind of like, do you have a certain thought process you go through? So I would say I used to, now I kind of, it's so automatic to me that I'm wondering if I've bypassed some of that, but, um, some of the, so what I really like to do is when I, when I think about, especially is I'm trying to make sure that it's well balanced and healthy is I always include these three elements. I always include um, a protein and then I will include an element of fiber and then I will include an element like a healthy fat. So when I'm including all three of those, I know basically like this is good for us. We're getting in our fiber and most of the time the fiber is coming from vegetables, right? So you get additional vitamins and nutrients from that. Um, and the protein is almost always coming from, you know, like a lean meat where, whether it be chicken or seafood or beef or, um, some type of lean pork, something like that. And then the, the healthy fat is kind of my favorite element because that's where actually the taste comes in. Um, so this is always fun because I love to play with different sauces, you know, like making a sauce out of a really good marinade that may just include, you know, either an olive oil, avocado oil, lots of spices, fresh herbs, maybe you blend it all up. So it's kind of, you know, smooth and creamy, but amazing and packed with flavor. Um, other things I like to use, you know, like avocados make really great sauces, um, you know, cashews, things like this that you don't normally think of nuts are fantastic for making um, a really good sauce. So just kind of playing with all of those elements and giving it flavor, you know, it's kind of like the old thing about if you were, I go back to this boiled chicken and boiled broccoli is kind of the example I use for my clients. But if you had, you know, just a plain Jane boring piece of 
just a chicken you popped in the oven with nothing on it, maybe some salt, and then just some broccoli that you boiled, that doesn't really taste very good. That's not going to allow you to walk away from the dinner table and say, oh, wow, that was a great meal. (laughs) Nobody's going to say that, right? (laughs) Um, It's very forgettable. It's just like maybe only checking a couple boxes. And guess what? You're going to be hungry like an hour later because there wasn't enough there to not only satisfy yourself and make it taste good, but also you didn't even get enough of the caloric um, density in order to make you feel full and satisfied. But take that same meal, say that you had some chicken and some broccoli that you roasted, but now we're adding in like, say, a red pepper sauce. And this red pepper sauce has, you know, some roasted red peppers. It's got some fresh basil. It's got a little bit of vinegar for some tang, and it's got some avocado oil to add that healthy fat. That's going to be tasty. So that's kind of the fun, creative part of the meal. And then also like the add-on stuff at the end, you know, this is what you garnish with because the finisher is always something that makes it fun. Um, And I just vary up my finishers and my sauces all the time. That's kind of, you know, I start with what what protein do I want to make? Or um, I start with what lane do I want to do today? Do I want to do an instant pot meal? Okay. Instant pot. Do I want to do more of like an ethnic type food? Do I want to make like an Asian inspired or is it going to be something Mexican inspired or is it just going to be, you know, traditional ingredients that you can find in your garden or, you know, however that might look, but kind of how I would go through that. Um, And then, you know, move on from there. People ask me all the time what my favorite recipes to make. And I would actually say they're not my most popular, but it's a salad with a salad dressing because I can get very creative in the sauces or in the dressings. Yeah, no. And that's, I'm glad you walked us through it, Amy, because those are the exact reasons why I feel so confident sending clients to your website and choosing any recipe they want because focus on protein, fiber, healthy fats, and then that flavor factor. And that's oftentimes, like you said, it's so missed and people think when they have to eat healthy, okay, let me, you know, make sure I have the right macros or they're, you know, they're counting things, but they're not even thinking about flavor and satisfaction and, you know, having it be delicious. It's more this thought of like, if it's healthy, it's not going to taste good. And right your meals certainly taste good. Um, but I'm curious too, like, have you found Amy over the years in terms of like testing your recipes? Like, do you have to test them a couple times? Have you grown now to like where, you know, you can just hit it on the first time or how, like, how does that go for you? Yeah. So with cooking, I can always nail it because (laughs) also I can't be one. The reason is it's because I can adjust along the way. So you know, with cooking, if I'm like making a sauce, I'm like, eh, all right, this didn't quite turn out as I want, or it needs a little bit more of X, Y, Z. I know exactly what that is now by this point in my, uh, recipe development career. Um, I know like, oh, this just needs a little bit of lime. This needs a little bit of salt. And this just needs like some cilantro or whatever it might be. And I can easily just add that and tweak it with baking though. That's a different story. Um, those recipes are pretty tough because sometimes those do take me multiple tries to get it to the exact, you know, 
flavor profile I want, but also making sure that it's like moist and not dry and it has the right amount of, you know, fat to get it. It has the right amount of sweetener and what type of sweetener you're using in order so that it bakes beautifully. And yeah, so I would say cooking at this point, it's really easy for me to get it, kind of nail it on the head. Now, sometimes I will go through something and I'll write it down and then I'll go to remake it again. Like, oh, this was so good a couple weeks later. And I'm like, oh, something's a little off. I must have accidentally wrote this down wrong or something. So I'll go back and tweak things if I ever, you know, come to that. Yeah, which I have. But no, it's true. Often as it used to. (laughs) But and baking's more of a science. So even anyone listening, if you think you're a bad cook because your baking hasn't come out well, that does not mean you're a bad cook. Baking is a complete science. Um, I honestly, personally, I avoid baking. (laughs) I like doing it occasionally, but I will follow a recipe most of the time. Or like you say, I'll make it the first time and I'm like, okay, next time I would add this. You can't, like you said, just tweak it along the way, but that's the fun part about cooking. Yeah. That's the fun part about cooking is you can always add things, um, which always, you know, a good tip is like tailoring things back. If you're making a recipe for the first time, so you can add more because it can be hard to, to, to take things away or try to mask certain flavors. If you put too much, like too much spice or um, anything like that. But we talked a little bit about swaps for salad dressings and other healthy swaps. Are there other ones that you usually go to, or you've thought of that most people wouldn't think of when they're cooking or baking? So one of my favorite swaps and mainly became because a lot of people, a lot of clients I've had don't do dairy or, um, I actually don't really do dairy very well all, but you want that creamy kind of decadent comfort food type taste. So I love, love, love making a cashew sauce. And this swap would be, I wouldn't necessarily call it a, well, it's a swap, but you know, anything like I have like a creamy chili, I had a Buffalo chicken chili that I make. And now instead of what I would do, you know, five, 10 years ago, I would have put in some cream cheese. And so it's kind of got that nice, um, little bit of sour taste to it, but also it gives it that creamy, just deliciousness. Um, I will use like a cashew based sauce and, um, that's, you know, soaking raw cashews using some nutritional yeast and then using some element of tang. So in this case I would use, you know, like a, a hot Buffalo wing sauce and then some chicken broth and you blend that up and pulse it up into a blender until it gets kind of nice and thick. And ooh, I mean, it's crazy how cashews can do that to the point where I make this all the time just to keep in my fridge. Cause it's like afternoon. I'm like, mm, I can go for a little celery dipped in some cashew dip. And it's so, it's so simple, but often I share this with people who would have, you know, my husband loves to do this. You'll have to try this and ask and tell me what you think the ingredients are. And nobody ever guesses unless they are kind of read into it, then they know, but um, it's such a good, like I said, it's such a, an easy, healthier swap. Um, we all know, you know, the craze, I don't think it's a craze anymore, but cauliflower rice is such an easy swap. And if you don't love cauliflower, um, broccoli rice is really good. It's more about 
what the vessel it's more, you know, the, the rice and like pasta and things like this, those are just a vessel to get the substance into your mouth. So if you look at pasta, would you want to eat a bowl of clean spaghetti noodles? That does not taste very good. But once you put, you know, like a really nice bolognese sauce on it, then you want to gobble it up. So think about it. The, the pasta doesn't matter as much. It's a, it, the sauce is what really matters. So, you know, doing spiralized noodles or, um, you know, I love like butternut squash noodles or even like some sauteed veggies or spaghetti squash, things like that to use my really good sauces on top. And I'm just as satisfied, but not as full. And it doesn't like inflame my belly as much as if I were to eat pasta. So. Yeah, no, I love that. And I'm curious to him, even when you're baking, because I know too, a lot of your recipes, you will make gluten-free, I'm sure for a lot of clients and people just looking to make gluten-free. Are there good swaps you like there when baking? Because I know that can get a little tricky. Yeah. Um, so I, I do use a lot of almond flour and that is not a one-to-one swap with regular flour. Almond flour is going to be so much better for you because it's not going to have that inflammation that you're going to get from the gluten and from the processed flour that we eat. It's not necessarily that flour is bad for you, that the wheat is bad for everybody, but it's the way that um, our flour is now processed compared to even like 20, 30 years ago. So um, I do love almond flour. Plus it's actually loaded with protein. Um, You can get flour that's loaded with protein. And if you are going to choose, you know, like an almond flour based baking good, just making sure it's specific. You're reading that recipe specifically. You're not taking, you know, your grandmother's old chocolate chip cookie recipe and then just throwing in some almond flour and hope that it tastes good. You have to specifically look for, you know, a gluten-free or, you know, refined sugar-free, whatever it might be, uh, grain-free recipe base in order to do that. I also really love coconut sugar in place of brown sugar for sure. There is, I can tell zero in the taste. The taste is exactly the same, but coconut sugar is going to be better for you in that once again, it's minimally processed sugar. It's an all natural sugar. And the way that regular granulated white sugar and brown sugar has been processed in the last couple decades is just nothing we should be, you know, eating in large amounts. Um, so I would say those two are my favorite, even using like real maple syrup and honey and what, and what you'll find by using these products is you actually don't need that much. You just need like a little bit. Mm -hmm. Sometimes with the white sugar, we become like so conditioned to just dump a lot more into it because it's such an addictive, more natural ingredients, uh, they make for just, I mean, I think they, they taste way better than if I'm adding in, like I said, a brown sugar or white sugar. Yeah, no, I agree. Anytime I'm making, if I'm following someone else's recipe or even doing a recipe I've made before and it calls for, and usually with baking and it calls for maple syrup or honey, I always adjust it way down and I swear it comes out the same. It comes out with the same taste and it's even cutting Mm -hmm. it like in half. It still has the same amount of sweetness, especially Mm -hmm. if it's a recipe. Like I feel like everybody was making banana bread (laughs) when COVID hit and you already have like the mashed. Exactly. You already have mashed bananas or, um, one I really love making is a sweet potato brownie. And I took down the maple syrup by half 
Oh, and yeah. it was just so as fun. sweet because you're using, you know, you want to use good sweet potatoes that like taste really good um, and have that sweetness level. And then you can get rid of almost because it's still, it is a, you know, it's not technically an added sugar because it's a natural sugar, but maple syrup and honey are still sugar. They are still going to affect your blood sugars. So you still, you don't just want to use it freely. And if you can take it back, just try, you know, if you have a recipe, you typically make that uses one of them, try taking it back a little bit and just see how it goes. Um, cause that's, I mean, that's an easy one. And another yeah. one, Amy, that I noticed you use too, that I love using to thicken things is arrowroot starch. Such a good thickener. Oh, we forgot about that. <laughs> that is thickener. And you know, that's something too, that is actually like a plant based thickener. So, you know, it comes from the root of, I want, it's not coming from the root of an arrow, but <laughs> you know, it is a, <laughs> Um, what am I, I'm like, what, why am I losing my train of thought here? Uh, a root, it's a root vegetable, right? Yeah. So you're actually taking something that's made from nature and just creating, I mean, something so much better than a cornstarch, which, yep. you know, we know that corn is like the most highly processed and, um, highly, you know, it could be very toxic for a lot of people. So what would you say, Amy, or if you, if someone asked you your top easy cooking tips. I know this could be a tough one, but your top easy cooking tips, what would they be? So, okay. Um, my top easy cooking tips would be one. If there's any way that if there's something that you really don't like to do, like say it's, um, chopped vegetables or something like rice, cauliflower, or spiralize your veggies. If there's something that is, you know, kind of gives you a headache, the thought of doing this and having to clean those extra dishes, buy them are frozen or buy them already prepped. Now, when they're already prepped, say in the refrigerated section, I will say they are a lot more expensive, but you can buy riced cauliflower, like in the frozen food section for $2. And it's almost like cheaper than buying yourself. And this is for an organic bag of riced cauliflower. Um, almost cheaper than buying, it is cheaper than buying a head of cauliflower. So kind of cutting out a few little easy steps that way. Um, second thing is, is if you, you know, if you're super busy on the go and there's little things you can do um, at different times to cut back on steps for prepping a dinner. So for example, I always keep a pretty big jar of my house salad dressing in the fridge. So when I'm like, okay, we need a vegetable. It's super easy. I'm just chopping up lettuce, throwing it into a bowl, put the dressing on top. It's already homemade. Um, and the dressing by the way, does not take me long at all. But if I just make it once a week on the weekend and I'm talking like it's a three or four minute process, but three or four minutes when I'm trying to get food on the table, sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like doing that having it already prepped ahead of time is good. Um, or, you know, say that you are a working person, you're gone from eight to five, maybe just prepping a few things the night before. Maybe it's a matter of just in like marinating a meat quickly you go to bed, could be just chopping up some veggies, putting them in a Tupperware before you go to bed. So that way, the next day when you go to pull something out, throw it into the 
um, slow cooker, throw it into a skillet, throw it into a sheet pan, whatever that might be, that it's like quick, 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 and easy. And that all you're doing is like, you know, kind of tossing it all together. And it's really kind of minimal. My other final tip would be to hire your children to help out as your sous chefs. <laughs> and you have good so, sous chefs, Amy. Well, sometimes I will say I have to work on that. But um, yes, uh, you know, my daughter, she's 13. She loves to be in the kitchen. Um, and I also find that I need to give her projects because she is my more what do I want to call her? That is, I want to say it properly. She is my more, um, child that, that does, that kind of needs a little bit more direction. Whereas I have another one that is doing like 10 things at once. This child will, you know, she would go to her room and read all night long or like lay on the couch and read a book and be, uh, um, a little bit more dormant. <laughs> so I give her tasks like, okay, before you go and, you know, go read your book, I need you to chop up all these vegetables, you know, put the dishes away, whatever, so that I can start and have like a clean slate. But also, so my dinner's kind of prepped. She made tacos last night. I had things I had to get done. And I know that if I um, told her, or if I didn't give her that, she probably would have been, you know, texting her friends or been reading a book and being productive. So if I'm giving her all these productive tasks um, and, and they're not, you know, terribly hard, or even if it's stir together these seasonings so that mom's ready to go when I go to make dinner, that's helpful too. And I mean, and that's going to be helpful for her. Like seven or eight. Yeah. I, and think right. about too, Amy, as yes. she gets older, she's going to know how to chop up. Like she's going to feel confident in the kitchen. And I mean, those are just great life Correct. skills too. So you're doing a great job. I mean, you're killing two birds with one stone, right? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, thank you. Now I, I will say on to yeah. that. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go. Oh, I was just saying like onto that, I, you know, just to give like a little bit of encouragement, especially if you have young children. Um, I have never since my kids were young pressured my kids to eat things. Um, I it's, it's always been a very fluid process because kids go like this and this and this with their taste buds and what they want to eat, what they don't want to eat. And a lot of of times it's not about what they really like, especially when they're little, it's more about like a control thing. And so, um, from a very early age, it was always like family dinner time. We're sitting at the table. Here's our dinner. What would you like to eat? And it was never of, you must clear your plate or you must eat this many bites in order to get a reward. It was, you know, nothing like that. It was always like, this is what's for dinner. This is what I prepared. You can eat everything, try a little bit of everything. You could try only one thing. You could eat nothing for all I care, but this is what we're doing. And I decide what, and you decide how much. And from that point, you know, I, there have been periods of time where I had thought, you know, this child is not a very good eater. Let's just be honest. Um, but now that I have almost an 11 year old and almost a 14 year old, they are very good eaters in their own way. So one of them loves, you know, like meat and potatoes. The other one likes more carbs, but also loves vegetables, loves salads, you know? And so that's how far as people, we develop these um, certain things, you know, these, these tastes that we have. And just because you're forcing your child to eat broccoli, maybe your child just doesn't like broccoli. Neither of my kids love mushrooms. 
I have never stopped making anything with mushrooms in it. I will always make it. And now they have come to the point where they say, mom, we love the taste of mushrooms. It's just more of like a texture thing. I'm like, great. So they actually like mushroom meals and they just pick it out. And I've never been like, you must eat that mushroom. It doesn't accomplish anything. Yeah. And we just had um, an episode with, I don't know if you know, Whitney and Alex from plant-based juniors, but they were talking about toddler feeding and they were saying the same thing. They're like, put it on their plate for exposure. And so they can, if they want to touch it, if they want to lick it, (laughs) if they just want to play with it, put it on there for exposure, but never force your kids to eat anything. And they were saying too, it's that control factor. Usually picky eaters, it's just about control. It's not about that. They actually don't like those foods. So you are spot on and doing it well. (laughs) Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to like, listen to that, but you know, I've had parents who have asked me for advice, like, how do you get your kids to eat so well? I'm like, my kids are not perfect eaters. They are not. There's things they don't like. There's things that me, you know, me, Amy and you, Kate don't like to eat yep. that are good for you. I mean, I can give you a couple examples but, <laughs> of what I don't like to eat, but, um, you know, I, I, like, I'm not a seafood girl. Right. And, oh, I wish I liked it. I will try it all the time. And I'm just like, oh my God, glad I got my bite in, but that's not my thing. My son loves it. So, you know, he gets a lot of my seafood recipes, him and the dog are the only two to eat it, but I, but I'm not going to, and when at a restaurant, he's always like, well, there's shrimp. I'm going to order shrimp because I don't get it as much at home. And so that did not happen overnight, right? That just slowly kind of developed. And I think about foods that I didn't like as a kid, I'm sure that you didn't like as a kid that now that you like, cause you've just been exposed to so many different types of flavors. And as a parent, it's so much more important to worry about, not worry, it's the wrong word, so much more important to focus on just getting your kids to be a little bit more adventurous rather than, oh, well, how much protein did my kid eat? Are they eating enough? Uh, are they getting in their B vitamin? I mean, they're going to get it. You know, they are going to get it. And you can always do a multivitamin. Yeah, exactly. Like modeling that behavior, them just seeing that you have a balanced plate, Amy, and that you're making balanced meals that's, you know, I mean, that's going to stick with them forever too, when then they go to make their kids meals one day. Right. And it's just having that exposure. So I'm really, I'm really glad you touched on that because that is something that's so important and that people I think struggle with a lot. I mean, I even think about my sister, she has a toddler right now and she's, you know, it is like, she will eat a lot of different things, but it is, you know, have a few more bites of your broccoli, you know, so you can eat this or, and it is a struggle and it's a battle. And so I think, you know, I feel like I'm sure I'll be learning too, once we have our little one and it's older, but it's, it's so helpful for people to know that it doesn't have to be that battle and it's okay. Your child will be okay. Not eating that broccoli that night or, right, you know, they will. And again, if you're modeling it yourself, it will take on and kids are different and how they metabolize things is very different than once you're an adult, when you do really have to start paying attention to your diet and what you're getting and it will have more of an effect. Um, so Amy, my final question would be, what are your own daily health and wellness non-negotiables 
that you make sure you get in each day, especially while working, being a mom, being a baseball coach, um, and a wife? Okay. So (laughs) I do a lot of things. Um, first my non-negotiables is like my water intake. I am crazy about the amount of water I drink because if I'm not, and I'm a little bit dry, it's usually from not having enough water. So water intake is one. Something else that I always make sure I do is my breakfast is my biggest and like my most nutrient dense meal. (laughs) So I normally I fast about 16 hours a day and that's not for everybody, but we are all fasting at some, you know, we've all not eaten overnight while we slept. So we all do some type of fasting. So breakfast, you know, you're breaking your fast should be something that, like I said, where you're packing in kind of as much as you possibly can. So I make sure that my breakfast is like 10 to 15 grams of fiber. I make sure that it's, you know, high protein. I always love, I love, love, love eggs. Um, And I just make sure that this first meal, because that sets me up for the rest of the day. That's kind of my one food non-negotiable. I'm a really big fiber person though, in general. So if I notice that like, I, you know, my gut feels a little bit off or I'm having like indigestion or something is a little off. I'm very much paying attention with the fiber situation. Like I will go nosh on some raw vegetables, you know, broccoli or celery um, are my go-tos. I also do like chia seeds and water sometimes just to kind of boost that up a little bit. Uh, I would say, yeah, those are my non-negotiables. Always having, uh, you know, just servings of greens. I try and do that with every meal. But sometimes my dinner is just regular, you know, dinner that all of us eat. And I don't worry as much about my dinner as I do about my breakfast. Yeah, no, I love that. I'm a big breakfast person too. And I think a common misconception, even with eggs, Amy, is that when you're trying to make it high protein too, is there's only seven grams of protein in one egg. So like for me, I'm always doing three eggs, right? Three pasteurized eggs is a non-negotiable. If I'm having eggs and there's no, uh, let's say, you know, bacon on the plate or some other form of main protein source. So I always just like to throw that in for people. Um, but where Amy, can people connect with you, find your recipes, work with you if they want to? Yeah, so I am at www.wholesomelicious.com, Facebook, and my email address too is amy at wholesomelicious.com. Love that. So we do like to end every show with a little rapid fire Q&A. So first thing that comes to mind, what is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? Walking the dog. Love it. Coffee or tea? Uh, tea. I don't drink coffee. <laughs> and what do you have like a favorite tea, Amy? But I don't drink much tea. Okay. Got it. So your is your morning beverage your water? Yeah. Water. I do like a afternoon latte a few days a week though. I'm not going to lie, nice. but that's like a shot of espresso. My, my husband calls it the dirty milk, but yeah, <laughs> it's like the milk with a little bit of, with a little bit of caffeine. Yeah. Little, um, and then with a little caffeine. Yeah. Our last one, which is very fitting for you, but what is your favorite home cooked meal? And it can be one of your recipes or one that, you know, your mom made. My favorite meal of all time is like a filet mignon with green beans and some potatoes with like a piece of chocolate cake. And that's what we would do. Mm. That's what we do for like, um, we do it for like Valentine's day. 
We do that for Christmas. We do it to celebrate anybody's birthday. Um, it's not necessarily my favorite meal to cook though. I, and I think that's just because I, um, you know, I like to order that out in a restaurant as well. Yeah. It's kind of just like my favorite, like celebratory meal with a glass of red wine. So my favorite meal to cook is actually probably my chicken piccata recipe. I love it. Oh, it's um, not uh, crusted and it's got like a lemon caper sauce. And it's like one of these meals, it's, it's super easy. And I make it like on a weekend on a Sunday and it feels kind of fancy, but it's not. I love that. And I love to, if you follow Amy at Wholesome Licious on Instagram, you will see her son's favorites as well. And I love when you pull him and he's so animated and he loves to just share all his favorite recipes. And like I've shared on here, some of our favorites from your recipes, because my husband is a big fan, Amy, we make your air fryer wings all the time. Yeah. The short rib recipe, um, the Greek chicken slow cooker or instant pot recipe is hands Luke down one of my favorite. Oh my gosh. So good. But, um, Pat actually said, he was like, make sure you tell Amy, he's like, make sure you tell Amy that our air fryer is broken right now. And I'm so upset because I can't make the wings. Have wings. Oh no. I know. You know how many air fryers I've broken? That's a whole nother <laughs> Yeah. So we will be getting a new air fryer when we move and we will be continuing to make those delicious wings. But thanks so much, Amy, for being on today. I was so happy just to like see your face. Thanks, Kate. If you're lacking confidence in the kitchen, start off with some of Amy's easy cooking techniques like one pan recipes, which she has a ton of, Or if you're ready to step up your game, consider some of the healthy swaps we discussed in one of our meals this week. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can watch every episode of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like the show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.